back to We're Not Really Backpackers. I'm Janie. I'm Susie. Welcome back once again. Goodbye, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Have you seen this movie on Netflix called Death no, to 2020? I was saving it to watch tomorrow because I have the day off. But I'm dying to. I've heard it's so good. It's pretty funny, actually. I wouldn't necessarily watch it again in a heartbeat right. but I'm glad I did because actually it helped me kind of catch up on a few things that I missed because I try I don't really watch the news that much yeah. um I try and keep a lot of that negativity out of my life yeah no totally I can't wait I'm gonna watch it tomorrow instead over the past couple of days I binged the entire Bridgerton show on Netflix <gasps> oh my god I've I've seen the trailers for this you need to start watching it immediately we need to maybe make a Bridgerton <laughs> spinoff podcast because it's consumed me. Consumed yeah. me. Episode five? Tell me when you get to episode five and we can talk about it. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> means nothing to me now. I know, but it will. <laughs> episode five. It will. It's so fucking good. The sets, the costumes, the diversity, it's incredible. I'm like, this is what we need and it has the actress from Derry Girls in it I know she's so good yeah she's so good she looks so, I, I love her as an actress anyway I think she's really she's funny hilarious Girls, and but, she does so, I, yeah I agree yeah. she does a good job here too so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well 2020 what a year we have got through a pandemic pretty much mm-hmm. we're still going mm-hmm. We've had so many adventures together. We started this podcast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm so, it's just, just amazing. Sometimes I think back and I'm like, I'm so glad we actually went for it and started it. Because I think both of us are kind of perfectionists in some ways. Yeah. And I know that I've stalled myself from doing many things that I've wanted to in my life just because oh, it won't be perfect and I'm not good enough oh. and I'll make all these mistakes and I have to learn all this. And Absolutely, actually... same. And we're obviously very far from perfect, but it's still just been so fun. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like that is the key. I, we were just talking um, before we started recording um, about... <clears throat> okay, so basically, when, you know, when we come to the uh, beginning of a new year, we have these New Year's resolutions and many of us don't continue them into the year we kind of tend to do them yeah most of us don't yeah and the what I found is the key to success in anything is small incremental changes not putting too much pressure on the outcome but more the feeling of what you want to feel when you attain these goals or when you try and incorporate something new into your life or a new routine or anything and I feel like this podcast really reflects that because we've had so many changes, you know, even just the setup of this podcast, the fact that I was thinking about this the other day, the fact that we managed to find a way to record whilst we're on two separate sides (laughs) of the world. (laughs) Bring on 2021, you know, I've learned that even though it was a really tough year, I... I've learned not to wish time away. I think we yeah. can, it, it's quite easy for us to just go, oh, 2020 sucked and I hated it and I can't wait till it's over and da da da. You know, we've all done that. But when I really think about it, the only time we really, oh, it sounds so cliche. Oh God, I'm going to sound so woo woo. But <laughs> here we go. Here we go, Dive kids. In. <laughs> but you know, the, we grow the most when things are uncomfortable. 
And I think this year has taught me a lot anyway. I can only speak for myself, but I'm glad to see the back of it in the sense that I'm looking forward to new things, new opportunities, the whole world getting over COVID. But I think it's brought a lot of perspective to a lot of us because we have to have these hard times to appreciate the good. So I just Mm -hmm. can't wait to see what people are going to achieve in 2021 because you know, we've had the time to sit and think about what we really want to, um, we really want to get going on. And one of the things being travel, of course, but sure. Hey, well, that we can only do so much about all that. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's, it's been really cool to be able to look back even just over the past couple days and get perspective on I just had a Facebook memory pop up that two years ago, was when I first went to Bali, like to the day. What? Because it was right in between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, I think I left on the 28th or the 29th. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, two years ago I left the one-way ticket and I had planned to be gone for six months and it's been two years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, because it was in Bali that you learned about the working holiday visa, wasn't it? Yeah. I thought I had enough money that I was like, I can do six months. Mm. And then... Yeah, made it work somehow to be away and meet so many amazing people and do so many cool things that I had never even thought of doing. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to look back and, and just like kind of be grateful and look in appreciation on how on the things that I've done and accomplished. Why yeah. is it so hard for me to say this um, <laughs> over two years? I just think Bali is magical. There is something that just instills this sense of complete adventure. It helps people believe in themselves, I think. Um, I think their whole practice of the Hinduism as well. It seeps, I, one thing I really noticed when I was in Bali was, whilst in other countries you visit and their religion is in my eyes very much a religion, when I went to Bali, I felt like Hinduism for them was just their way of life. Yep. It wasn't separated from Separate. their life. It wasn't no. Hinduism is their religion and then they have their life. And, you know, I'm not yep. speaking for every religion on the planet. From, but from my experience, certainly, I, I have felt at times that, you know, people can go to their church or wherever they go to pray and... You know, they're thinking, oh, for example, be a good Christian and do this and this. And then actually in their life, they're not practicing those things. It's very much separated. But with with the Balinese people, they carried that into their daily lives. And again, I'm not speaking for every Christian or anything. There are definitely amazing Christians out there um, who do bring that into their lives and practice what they preach and are very kind and everything. But I just found it so much more present in Bali. I found like every single person pretty much that I met just instilled this sense of just absolute respect and they were just so kind. I really couldn't fault them actually. Yeah, I I can definitely see like when the time that I spent there, I totally saw also just like how ingratiated it was in their culture and just, yeah, like in every aspect of like their daily routine and their mm. clothes and everything. Mm. Um, yeah, it was so cool. Which is kind of a good segue into talking about what we're going to talk about today. 
So we um, kind of got the idea to to talk about the movie uh, and the book Eat, Pray, Love because of an Instagram post that I saw um, posted from Kiona, Dr. Kiona from the How Not to Travel Like a Basic Bitch um, Instagram podcast, and she's written a book. Um, she's awesome. But she was reposting basically this this travel influencer guy uh, posted a video on his Instagram to his 5 million Instagram followers. Um, it's really gross. It's essentially him just using the Balinese people as props yeah. um, in his in his video, him and some other models mm. that are all, I think they're Russian, mm. um, but they're, they're white either way. Yeah. And just literally really tone deaf, like a lot, like he's, it's, it's not an isolated incident, unfortunately. And it's um, something that I think, especially as white women and like talking, we've talked previously about, you know, acknowledging our privilege, especially in traveling, um, that it's a conversation that I think we need to be very cognizant of and continue to check in on ourselves and making, you know, and trying to travel and interact with people in all different cultures, um, but especially ones that are of marginalized communities to making sure that we're being respectful and that we're not being exploitative um, and just gross. Yeah. So yeah. So for in light of that. Sorry. Go oh on. yeah, go Sue. No, no, carry on, honey. Nope. Nope. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> so I would just like to describe this video for anyone listening. Um, maybe we have some listeners who have already seen it, but essentially what has happened is this influencer has many videos already of him in Bali, perpetuating this Playboy lifestyle. His Instagram accounts from memory I believe says genius billionaire playboy and all of his pretty much all his content accurate accurate across the board I'm sure Uh, he has lots of lovely beautiful ladies around him doing certain things saying certain things Uh, we don't speak Russian however you can translate the captions and you can get a pretty good picture of what he is trying to display And the message he's trying to bring across, one of them being, for example, he just drives a motorbike into the sea and that's it. (laughs) He has him and his girl on the motorbike. They drive off a pier. They jump off the bike into the water. The bike goes, I mean, it looks like a brand new, yeah, really expensive bike. So you kind of get the tone from that. But um, the main thing that comes up for me is money can't buy you happiness. And it seems to me like he's trying to project this whole thing of look at me, I have all this money, I can do whatever I want. I'm a genius billionaire playboy. And I don't know the guy, but I am looking at his Instagram. And this is the I think it's fine. I don't feel bad about judging him at all. Well, yeah, this is the message that I'm trying to get from his Instagram. So in this particular video that Janie and I um, are talking about particularly, it honestly boils my blood. But he has bought this plot of land in Bali, which is not an isolated incident. There are a lot of people doing this. And the problem is, is that this is driving the housing prices up um, in Bali massively which means that the local people are struggling to buy um, plots of land or and keep their houses. And keep their houses. A lot of them are being driven mm-hmm. out. And whilst he's got these uh, Balinese men working on site, 
and they're doing the kind of building chain his action. House. Yeah. Building his new house. Yeah, building his new house. So yeah. on like an assembly line, basically passing. Yeah. Yeah. So they're 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 standing in a line passing buckets. And now this influencer has stationed these ladies in a similar position, but instead of buckets, they look like models. They look like models. Yeah, they've got. They're holding themselves in a very. They, they, it's not natural. They're posing. They're in modeling. A certain way. They're modeling. But instead of passing buckets of material, water, whatever they, whatever the workers are, they are passing stacks of cash in front of the Balinese workers. And putting it in as if they're, like, building the foundation of this house with stacks and stacks yeah. of cash. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I was saying, like, using the Balinese people essentially as props yeah. in this, like, elaborate kind of video just of, yeah, just showing off to look at how much money he has in yeah. the face of people who are actually losing their ancestral lands and homes to people just like him who are coming in with foreign money that's driving them out of their house and home so yeah it's pretty gross it was it's nasty and then all the comments from people that support him and who knows how many of them are bots or whatever but the whole point of it is that the overwhelming amount of people that are interacting with this post and his other ones are all in support of him and obviously there's voices from people that are indigenous people as well as, you know, yeah. activists and people that are... And I can't imagine who else wouldn't see this and be grossed out by it. But there are people, obviously, that are speaking out and that are trying to combat it. But it's an overwhelming amount of support in comparison. Well, this is the thing, Janie. I scrolled for ages. Like, I scrolled... I think he's deleting comments. Yeah, he must be because... Every single or you know you can filter out comments that say certain words like yeah 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 every single comment is the clapping emoji the fire emoji the hundred the hundred emoji um a lot a lot a lot of support for this kind of behavior and it makes me sick one of the comments actually um it wasn't on that it wasn't on his post but it was on um Dr Kiona's post where yep. she's she's bringing attention to it and s- someone has written to her saying um that their parents are actually originally from Jakarta but as it's sinking the parents are trying to move over to Bali so that they can obviously keep them and their family safe and they can't yeah i mean and it's not just instagram influencers no, obviously no, no. there's huge you know there's developers there's all call kinds of you know other organizations and companies and outside of individuals but the whole gentrification of the island in general and the colonization of it essentially is contributing to it and it's like there's laws that have put in place in you know Canada and in the U.S. preventing or in Australia too I think but yeah lots of other countries now have legislation preventing people that aren't permanent residents or citizens from buying property because like I know in Seattle um like there's a huge influx of people from China that buy properties there, but then never come and never yeah. live in them because they just have an, an extremely high amount of money. Yeah. Um, and so that also contributed to the already rising housing market um, in the Seattle area. And I know that happened in Vancouver as well in Canada. And, you know, it, ha- it happens all around the world, but they're currently Indonesia doesn't have any sort of legislation around that preventing people. Mm. So it's all part of it. Yeah, it's kind of why we wanted to talk about You Pray Love, the book and the movie. So it was uh, 
most of the information that I got from this is from Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> Solid facts. <laughs> so, yeah, just the nothing but the highest, <laughs> most peer-reviewed. No, the most credible. The most credible. <laughs> okay. The most anyway. credible of credible sources. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Can you tell I smoked a joint at 6 o'clock and that's <laughs> still affecting me? Um, so it was a 2010 movie, romantic comedy drama film starring Julia Roberts as Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote the um, book of the same name. Mm. Wow. Wrote a memoir of the same name in 2006. And let's see. Yeah, the movie was released in August of 2010. Got mixed reviews, which we'll touch on a bit later. And it was a huge, huge hit. So it grossed. Guess how much money it grossed worldwide? Oh, God. Um, 250 million. 204.6 million. That is a lot of money. Wow. That's U.S. dollars, so I don't know what that is in other dollars. Yeah. And its budget was $60 million, so it was massive. Wow. Massive profit. And I remember, okay, well, Suze, what is your relationship to this movie? Like, outside of what, you know, the, the effects and stuff that we're going to talk about, but, like, what, yeah, what's your relationship to this to this movie in the book? I loved the movie. When did you see it? I first watched it quite a while ago I think it was about six years ago or something like that um Mm -hmm. so what 2014 so even quite a while after the movie I don't know what sorry what year did the movie come out did you say 2010 2010 yeah so still a little time after but I'd heard about it a lot before and you know it obviously gained such worldwide popularity um and I think for me it really spoke to me because I've been traveling my whole life and I had a period where I was in England and I was waitressing and yeah, I had a great time, but I was just longing for this sense of adventure again because I hadn't had it in a little while. And I was kind of thinking, oh, I should be settling down and I should be getting this job and I should be doing this. And actually in my heart, all I wanted was to just go out there and travel again. So I think I was kind of living vicariously through this movie And I'd heard so much about Bali even before the movie came out. Something about Bali was speaking to me um, personally. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like this movie was um, just a way for me to access that kind of feeling without, you know, having to go there or without being able to go there because I couldn't, I didn't have the money at the time to to go. Um, Yeah. And so... I think the other thing that I really liked about the movie was it was the whole deep diving. Uh, It was her looking into herself and she's very much in this state that she's found herself in. She kind of has a wake up moment. She kind of has this. And I've had these moments in my life where I've been in a certain chapter and everything's hunky dory and I'm just, you know, bobbing along and I will literally wake up one day with this the seed that's been planted in my head and I'm thinking oh actually is this what I want how do I know this is what I want is this other people's ideals of what I should be doing and I feel like her exploration of that um was kind of giving me permission to look at myself and say oh do you know what I want to find myself as well and I think we've spoken about this before in previous episodes but I 
don't see anything wrong with the term of finding yourself, but I think it is a Oh my real... god. Oh my god. I just saw a mouse crawl into my fucking closet. <laughs> Are you joking? No. You need to go get that mouse. <laughs> I'm not go I'm not getting it. I bet there's more. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my what god, what you... do I do? What do I do? It was like this big. Oh my god. Well, it's not gonna I'm not gonna be you. able to sleep. No, but what if it's well, can gonna you like, hear anything? You know, my clothes. Can you hear anything? Hold on, let me take my headphones out. No. Go have a look. Do you have a bucket in the house? What? Do you have a bucket? A bucket. Um yeah. probably somewhere. Fuck this. Fuck this place and burn it to the ground. <laughs> Like, what were we? Uh, so, yeah, I was just saying that for me, um, I think the fact that Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, she was giving herself permission to explore, um, explore herself more instead of just uh, instead of just kind of settling for the life that she had found herself in. And I just, I get really annoyed when there's such a taboo around the the whole subject of finding yourself and it's been kind of poo-pooed and I loved how this, the book and the movie kind of challenged that. And as a result, you know, you can see it in the stats, the people who have, they actually specifically visited Bali. Now, this is the, (laughs) it's a shame of what's happened to Bali as a result over the years it's just like crept up and up and up and up but I think we're kind of straying away from the message of the book and the movie which is self-exploration and personal development at the end of the day which I'm obsessed with and I do in my own spare time because I love doing it but yeah what did you think about it well so first the the movie is for people that don't know the movie is about Elizabeth Gilbert Liz who is a woman in her like late 30s I'd say mm. who's living in New York and she's married and she's a really successful writer and but she's you know just kind of found herself at this impasse and not really liking the life there was a point where she said in the movie um I've actively participated in every choice in creating this life. So why don't I see myself in it anymore? Um, Which I thought was really cool. So basically, yeah, she's just at this massive impasse. She gets divorced. She starts, well, she's at a big impasse in her life, makes some changes and decides that she's going to take a year off from work and go travel in Italy, India, and then back, um, back to Bali where she had been before um a year previously bali and indonesia so that's kind of the gist of the movie um i had never i realized so i watched it today for the first time and i've obviously heard about it a million Mm. fucking times and it was everywhere like you know in 2010 and since then too like it's always been such a popular movie and especially when i decided to go to bali it was like one of the first things that most people asked me was, oh, like, did you see Eat, Pray, Love? Or like, are you da 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 And I think it made me feel like resentful of this. I never yeah. read the book too. And I've heard great things about the book. Um, Just because it's like quite well. mainstream. Did you re- read the book? I started it. I've start. I've actually got the book somewhere. I did start it, but I, I hadn't finished it. I'm known for that yeah. though. 
Hey, Abbas is the best of us. Um, I've been trying to read the same book for almost three months that I bought when I first got here. So (laughs) I get it. And I'm usually like when I was younger, I used to be such a fast, like voracious reader. And now it seems like I can't get through anything. (laughs) So anyway, um, um, but yeah, I feel like my retrospectively, I think I can say like part of the reasons that I never it just never came up for me to see it when it first came out. And then I was in college and it just like, just never happened. I wasn't like actively like avoiding it, but it just never came to be. But then like when um, it came out a year before I left to go to Italy for study abroad Mm. um, for a semester. And yeah, I just, I, it's always been kind of like as someone who likes to travel, like it's always been like an anecdotal kind of, topic that comes up pretty much anytime Mm. I'm planning some sort of trip or especially like a long trip or Mm. somewhere that I haven't been before a lot of people kind of compare it to like oh like you're gonna go find your husband somewhere like which I know we've talked about before too but it's usually in that same kind of tone which is so interesting because now having seen the movie the fact that most people what their takeaway from it is is because her last stop in Bali she has she meets this guy who she falls in love with and it's so interesting to me that that's people's biggest takeaway when two thirds of the movie is her healing her own wounds and mm. relational issues and her relationship with herself. But it's so interesting that the, what most people that I've talked to or that have talked to me and brought this up to me over the years without even having seen it is, oh, like you're going to go have your eat, pray, love moment. You're going to go like find a guy. Like yeah. that's what the takeaway is. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that contributed to the preconceptions that I've had about it and maybe the aversion that I've had to it because I have always, because of that, I think it's contributed to me just kind of being like, Ugh, I don't want to be classified in this, you know, in that same kind of brushstroke of, you know, just some basic white American girl going to another country to like live an experience that she couldn't get any, you know, that you can't find for yourself kind of thing. Um, And so um, with all of that in mind, watching it for the first time today, I really liked it. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to hate it. I wanted to hate it. And it's cheesy. Like, it's so cliche. And I think yeah. part of the cliche too, like on top of what we were just talking about is like the merchandising that happened after this yeah. movie. Do you remember this? Hold on. Let me find the notes I have on it. They created over 400 mer- merchandising tie-ins products for this movie. Fucking hell. That included jewelry, perfume, tea, gelato machines, an oversized Indonesian bench, <laughs> Prayer beads, which shits me, and bamboo window shade. Um, they, the World Market Department Store, of which I don't know if you guys get World Market, but we, it's a big chain in the U.S. of just like kind what of is... like, it's like home goods and kind of like foreign, like artisanal kind of like knickknacky shit. Like they've got yeah. like imports from all over the place. And they sell them for this massive profit margin totally. they have on it yeah. because you can get this stuff in Bali or wherever like like traditional stuff that's been made by the local people yeah not mass produced so and exported and not that money yeah. is not shown to them yeah totally um 
they opened an entire section of all their located of all their stores um, with merchandise specifically for the movie. The Home Shopping Network ran 72 straight hours of programming featuring Eat, Pray, Love products. And um, obviously this brought in a lot of criticism, especially considering that the majority of these products were never even featured in the film. So it's not like it was like, Mm. get the same gelato machine. It's like, no, it's just (laughs) people are like, ooh, I can't go to Europe right now, so I'm going to buy the closest thing I can get and try to have my own little experience. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So getting into the movie itself, um, like we Mm. had talked about, it's Liz is kind of at this impasse in her life. She's in her late thirties. She's married to the world's one of the biggest douchebags I've ever met um Mm. as a character is so cliche kind of like a peter pan flitting around from job to job um wanting to maybe be a teacher or a pastry chef or restoring old cars um he does the really annoying thing that trope that i hate seeing in rom-coms and movies in general where men as if act as if they've never even seen a baby before let alone like held it and they like basically hold it by its feet and dangle it because they're like oh like i don't know how to do this and it's like use your fucking brain like you yeah really you don't know how to hold a baby go okay um so yeah they're just on different pages so they get a divorce and he throws a temper tantrum about it which is really attractive and usually a really good way to get people to, to come back to you. Oh, even before all this though, the movie starts that she was in Bali originally and went to go see a spiritual healer who kind of read her palm and did a session for her and gave a prophecy that she's going to have a short marriage and a long marriage and that she's going to come back to Bali and teach this guy English and he's going to teach her everything that she knows. So then this year later, after that, as she's going through a divorce, she meets James Franco. Um, immediately, we recognize he's the rebound. Yeah. It's a bad boy rebound, yeah. Yeah. Just bad acting. Um, well, he was acting <laughs> as a bad actor. Is like how they met because he was acting in like a screenplay that she wrote. And it was it, he was yeah. so bad at it. But she was like oh, he's actually good. And her friend's like, no, he's just hot. There's a difference. Yeah. She's like, mm, don't care. Gonna dive into this. Um, and she, yeah, so they just start, like, being attached to the hip. Um, she starts kind of melding into him, and that's a, the theme that she talks about with her relationships is that she's been in one relationship or another since she was a teenager and she always just loses herself in these guys and these partners and just kind of mm-hmm. forgets her own goals and ideals and just kind of becomes whoever they want her to be, which is something that I think most women can relate to in one way or another of the socialization that we go through of just trying to be amicable and make everybody feel comfortable. And a lot of times that can look like, suppressing what you want in order to make the person you're with happier or perceived yeah, to be happier. But it's also, absolutely. It's also seeing the other person, this whole phrase of being the other half. Yeah. As in you're not whole yourself and you need to have this other partner to complete you. And, you know, you need to fit like a puzzle piece. So you might as well, 
you know, every relationship does have compromise. I understand that, but you can't compromise so much that you're changing who you are to fit with the other person. Totally. Um, and yeah, that's what she does with this relationship. She's just kind of grabbing at, at loose straws, you know, trying yeah. to stop herself from falling when actually she should just kind of let that go. And she's realized she recognizes that pattern. So Mm -hmm. she kind of needed James Franco to show her that it it wasn't just that marriage. It was intrinsically something of her that she needed to heal. So, Right, exactly. Totally. And this kind of, you can see the deterioration of their, you know, these really kinds of intense relationships like that I think most of us have experienced at one time or another. It's really intense and really hot and heavy. And then they burn out really quickly as well. So you can Mm -hmm. see that starting to happen. And I think the only part of this movie that I ever saw, and I can't remember if it was in a trailer or if I saw like a clip of it, was when they're in bed and he, she either she's like laying on the floor of the bed, which was, oh, seemed fucking melodramatic to me, honestly. Like at this part, I was like, yeah. really? Like you can't just go back to your own apartment then if you are like <laughs> this inconsolable for no reason? Um, she's laying on the floor think- crying and he goes, don't you want to give me a chance to miss you? Yeah, it's a very strange line. And I'm like, I get that line, but also the timing. And I think they were just trying to figure out where to piece it in. But it was like, neither of them yeah. were sympathetic characters in this moment for me. I was like, I hate both of you. Like, yeah, I think she was just looking to avoid her feelings about what was really going on for her. And he was just being a little jerk. Yeah. Not not being very sympathetic, no. no. But it was all also the kind of woe is me, struggling actor, kind of poetic license about that scene. And I mean, evidently, both of them are just hurting and both of them need to <laughs> sort their shit out. Both of them need to pretend like they never met and move on. No. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of, that scene where she's lying on the floor... It's hard because part of me is looking at that like, oh, God, don't be so ridiculous. But the other half of me is looking at this broken person. And it reminds me of um, the grounding technique where you're trying to connect with something real. So she's kind of on the floor, like being as close to the earth as she possibly can Mm -hmm. be, in my eyes anyway. Yeah. But she doesn't even realize that she's yearning for this like this um connection to nature Mm. in my opinion which she then finds obviously when she goes out traveling interesting yeah that's how i interpreted it but yeah interesting i didn't look at it in that way but i think that's a really cool point so then after this she's just kind of freaking out to her best friend and is like i don't feel anything anymore i don't have an appetite for life anymore i'm just like and i think we can all relate to having that feeling, like mm. having a moment of being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I don't live. Ah! Yeah. And this is what's so great because then it starts getting juicy and the whole, it's the juxtaposition Finally. Between, from that scene of when she's just yearning and hungry, she needs more. And then she finds herself in the land of the Italians, which is the, oh, <laughs> I just love it. And she, one of the, the great things that I love about this movie is that she reconnects to food. I personally feel like food is one of the main pillars of life. It bring, like We have to do it. It brings us sustenance, but also there's so much that we can enjoy and take from food. And I think especially as women, we are 
you know, we have been trained to have these certain relationships, like often unhealthy relationships with food. And that makes me so sad. Not only have I been through that personally, but also I, my relationship with food has completely changed. And I think that's um, something that is so beautifully illustrated in this movie. Yeah. Is when she finds herself with her Swedish friend and she goes to Napoli um, to the pizzeria. Yeah. Did you like that scene? I love that scene because it talks about body image and I'm like, yes, bitch. So empowering. Yeah, it's one of my favorite quotes of the whole movie. Yeah, I wrote it down too. (laughs) Yeah. I did. Can I I read it out to our listeners? You can. For those who haven't um, seen the movie. So to set the scene, Julia Roberts, uh, a.k.a. Elizabeth Gilbert, is in the pizzeria in Napoli with her friend, and her friend um, isn't eating her pizza. So um, Elizabeth's like, what's wrong, kind of thing. And the friend, you know, she's feeling a bit self-conscious because she's put on a little bit of weight. I mean, she's She's literally a size two. She's genuinely a Swedish model. Like... And I, in this, in, at the beginning of the scene, when it started happening, I started to just be like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. And I was getting mm. ready to be irritated at them. Like mm. both of these obscenely skinny, gorgeous, you know, women complaining about their bodies and it was going to just mm. set me off. But yeah, I loved kind of the, um, the radical acceptance and the embrace of it. And I also think it really is a great example of it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. You could be this tiny, beautiful Swedish yeah. model-like figure like she is, yeah. and Julia Roberts, but but you can still have these feelings because it's, it's, it's just so ingrained in us. Yeah, and it's never just about the way that you look because as we know from, you know, time and time again, people being at different weights and it not necessarily making a difference really about how you feel about yourself. It's an inside job. And I loved the kind of like body neutrality um, kind of stance of it, of like just releasing the guilt, enjoying life and just buying fucking bigger jeans. Like it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) Just buy another pair of pants. Like who gives a shit? So Julia Roberts says to her friend, and so the friend is also in a fairly new relationship with this beautiful Italian man, and she's noticed that she's putting on a little bit of weight, so she's not eating her pizza. Julia Roberts says, let me ask you something. In all the years that you have undressed in front of a gentleman, has he ever asked you to leave? Has he ever walked out and left? No, it's because he doesn't care. He's in a room with a naked girl. He just won the lottery. I'm so tired of saying no, waking up in the morning and recalling every single thing I ate the day before, counting every calorie I consumed, so I know just how much self-loathing to take into the shower. I'm going for it. I have no interest in being obese. I'm just through with the guilt. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish this pizza, and then we're going to go to watch the soccer game, and tomorrow we're going to go on a little date and buy ourselves some bigger jeans. (laughs) Fucking epic. So beautiful. I think it it touches on a couple of things and I think, um, you know, it, it's not always about what the fuck a guy is going to think about you, but especially like she's starting a new relationship and it, it does, you know, it, it can play. And that's not the only reason why we should be monitoring the way that we eat, but it, it's something that, you know, sticks out. I think it's awesome. Um, just to just yeah. realize that like the 
people that you're with in an intimate relationship shouldn't and usually don't fucking care. And if someone does, then mm. they can fuck, fuck themselves them. and are not yeah. the person for you or for anyone. They yeah. should be kept in a zoo. Fuck you, therapy. <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself. So fuck you. So I think this is a really good way to go into the next part of the film, which is the prey part, isn't it? So we've done eat. So she finds herself in Italy. Obviously, she then moves over to India. Yeah, she goes to the ashram that her James Franco boyfriend introduced her to back in New York of this guru that she learned a specific way of meditating. And so she's in this ashram. Did I ever tell you about the ashram that I went to in Bali? (laughs) No, I don't think you did. So when I first got there, it was right before New Year's. So like two years ago at this time. And my friends that I was living with at the time, they had their driver in Bali, which is really common to just like pick a taxi driver for your area and then just like, text them and use them ongoing because there's it's a there's a lot of competition and anyway Mm -hmm. um it's good to just like establish a relationship with a driver or two and just have them in your phone so they're easy to book um but he um was awesome and um did some tours with them and did all the airport runs and stuff. He picked me up from the airport when I got there and he was just this lovely guy. And he was like, Oh, he invited us to come to his ashram for new year's Eve. Cause his guru was going to be there. And it was really cool. It was very interesting, but it was also really fucking weird. And so I was having like ashram flashbacks when I was watching this scene. It was very interesting. Oh my God. Yeah. Why was it weird? Well, because to me, personal development stuff, like the way that I've learned about it and my interactions with it have always been under the guise of like, it's never about a specific person. It's about a, you know, what feels right for you on like a larger context. Mm. And obviously there's so many different teachers and schools of thought that you can learn things from, but whenever the focus becomes on a specific person versus a teaching or a methodology or an ideology or some sort of lesson, like that always just raises a red flag for me. And I, yeah. And so being somewhere where there's like literal shrines to and pictures of this guru. And this was the person that they were literally Mm. worshiping to the point where like he was, he came in and gave a delivered a prophecy about 2020 which, or sorry, about 2019, to the point where the kids, all the kids in the ashram, like, got up in front of him, and there was, like, all these different little performances that people were doing that were traditional dances and stuff, which were really beautiful, and then, like, all the little kids of the Mm -hmm. ashram, like, came up and, like, sang this song to him that they had written for him, saying, like, we love you, and, like, then he gave all the kids candy, and then people were coming up and kissing his feet, and, like, Mm. it, it, it was very outside of my comfort zone and I was really struggling with feeling really judgmental. And also it was like the second day that I was there and I was just like, what is going to happen? Like what's going on? (laughs) Um, And so I was, it was really, you know, beautiful and nice and everyone there was really lovely. And we did a really cool ritual at the end where we all, you know, we all wrote down things that we were wanting to release and leave behind in the year. And then we threw them into this, 
fire and there was a chant that we all did and like it was really cool but the just the part of it that was difficult for me to wrap my head around was that it just being about a specific person kind of holding it all together and everyone's worship and praise being focused on one person yeah uh I don't feel comfortable with that either honestly um I think we are all spiritual beings we're divine beings having a human experience Mm -hmm. and I don't like the whole attaching this kind of outside divinity to another person saying that you don't have that inside yourself there's a difference between being a guru and a teacher totally and um this reminds me of uh I was talking to a friend of mine when I was living in England and she was doing some yoga teaching some yoga and she said I'm really struggling with the social media side of it because a lot of the yoga teachers they're they're not concentrating on the yoga. They're concentrating on themselves right. as figures. Yeah. And it's not about that. It's about the relationship of the person with themselves through yoga. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminds me of that, like this whole, yeah, kind of seeing this person as not the sa- on the same level. I yep. mean, I'm not saying that they don't know more or have more experience or maybe can pass on more knowledge about this, but yeah attaching this whole like putting them on a pedestal um does raise raise red flags for me as well because I want to know what they're what else they're gaining out of it what like what else are they profiting from and what is going on behind the scenes because people do abuse their positions of power Mm -hmm. and I just don't feel like we know we're ever going to know the full story behind these kinds of people because they can package themselves as one thing saying that they are all being all seeing all knowing but i just don't trust humans not me <laughs> at the end of the day we're just humans yeah i completely agree and i think everybody is corruptible i think everybody is yeah. has the ability to be manipulated and to manipulate other people whether we like to believe it about ourselves or not i don't think anyone is really mm. inherently i don't know i struggle with thinking that people are either like completely evil or completely good I think everybody mm. has. We're a mixture of both. The capacity to do a tr- to commit atrocities against each other. Like obviously, if human history can show us anything, it's that. Mm. But yeah, so while she's here at this ashram, she's kind of like phoning it in. Like she's not really. She's showing up late every morning to the meditation. She's not really in it. And she kind of gets called on it from this other guy, Richard from Texas, who's just like, yeah. what are you doing? And she's kind of like, yeah, I'm, she's just, you can tell she's still got these walls up around it and is saying that she wants this change and this peace and whatever, but she's looking for it to be an outside experience of, well, she's here. Why isn't it happening? She's at the ashram. Why hasn't everything changed? And what you and I know and what people who've done this kind of work know that is like, as soon as you realize that it doesn't matter, she didn't actually really need to come all the way to this ashram to do this work. Like it's a cool experience and it, I'm sure it can help kind of expedite getting you into that mind state. But like truly everything that you need, like is just within yourself and to, yeah. and to be that introspective and to do it. So this is kind of, we see her really letting go and just kind of surrendering herself to this process of just like, learning how to just sit and be present and not Mm. obsessing about 
her ex-husband or her ex-James Franco and just really like forgiving herself for her parts in these relationships and I thought um something that Richard said which was so cool I thought was like he was like oh like do you realize what's going to happen when you clear all that shit out and clear that space out it's going to create a vacuum and the universe is going to rush in and that reminded yeah. me so much of just like things that I've thought or kind of worked through in my own of like of just wanting to engage again in that practice of just letting shit go and trusting that like mm-hmm. we're holding on to the scary and the anxiety driving things because it's comfortable and because it's familiar and as soon as you let them exactly. go it's fucking scary like we think like oh I want to get rid of it but like when it actually comes to it we usually hang on and when you do let go like amazing things can happen oh 100 percent um i really feel like uh, this is present in a lot of people who are trying to manifest certain things through practices like meditation law of attraction but they're they're constantly checking in with where they're at and as in like where the results are coming from and why haven't i got this yet and i've done the manifestation i've done the prayer i've done the meditation why is it not happening and it's because we're holding on to this outcome and the whole idea of it is yes setting your intentions and it's not about not having goals but letting go of the process as to how you're going to get there i think one of the great examples for us is when my visa didn't go through and i'm sitting there and i'm doing the meditations and i'm I'm letting go and I'm accepting that, you know, it might not happen, but I also know that I have the power to manipulate this and manifest this visa coming through. And if I pray or if I meditate hard enough, you know, I won't be investigated or I will get that visa notification through saying it's all granted. And when it didn't happen, I was like, no, that's not what I wanted. (laughs) I wanted to have the visa. (laughs) What the fuck is going on? Like I did all the right things. I did all the processes. Why hasn't it happened? And Actually, we need to step back and take a look at the bigger picture and understand that actually you're constantly manifesting, but a lot of it is in our subconscious. A lot of it is, okay, I want these things, but I want it done in a certain way and it has to be sent in this very specific package. And it's like, nah, the whole art of it is letting go of the expectations and knowing that the universe... In, in the words of Gabrielle Bernstein, the universe does have your back. And you just have to trust the process, like you said, and, and kind of do that work from the inside. And, you know, now I'm here, I'm, I'm moving on. Like, it's the next thing. Yeah. There's still certain elements that I, I miss very desperately. A very, I, obviously, I, I'm still struggling with that, but... I've also been given this whole new opportunity packaged in a way that I never anticipated. And I, yeah, I think you illustrated that really well with Elizabeth Gilbert kind of having to learn the lessons of just not attaching specific outcomes and just making space for the universe to provide for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I think, there's so many, I mean, we all have, I think, if we look back, examples of things like that where you're freaking out and then as soon as you kind of are just like, whatever, like, it, it's going to happen and you just accept it. 
how mm. quickly things can change for you. Yeah. I also love the bit where um, she goes to the marriage, the, the, the wedding. wedding of the... Oh my God, so beautiful. Yeah, the colors and and that... This is the other thing. Like when I think of India, I think of that. I think of the colors and the spices and the people and everything. But I'm kind of a little bit nervous to go to India. I don't know why. I've heard so many polarizing opinions. There are so many people that love India. It's, it's kind of like Marmite. It's, people, you, people say you either love it or you hate it. It's not a kind of in-between place. But I think I would like to go to India with like people now that we know that are from there or live, live there currently mm. that are friends. Yeah, I think it's it's a very exposing place. It's very raw. Um, there's a lot of... It's a massive country as well, so there's so many different places to yeah. see. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. would have no idea where to start, so I think like that's why I would like to go with someone who is from there and knows where to go because I would just I would have no idea where to start yeah I would love to go off the beaten track as well um something that I did in Bali actually I loved the south and I I really had a great time the in the whole kind of influencer environment all the pretty bars and cafes and seeing whatever but actually it was when I went up to the north in Ahmed where it's not as developed and a lot of locals are still living there and you have like a kind of more of a an authentic experience yeah um so yeah i'd love to do that for india as well yeah but yeah maybe we can go one day we can do a podcast from there oh my god <laughs> i'm not going anywhere until i get the vaccine then we just head to bali and you can see just she's just gliding along you know she's in ubud which is where I spent a lot of the time that I did there. It's kind of in the central part oh, of the island. It's I in like the mountains. Um, mm. It's very, very touristy now, but like getting to see all these yeah. different shots, obviously the locations they shot are spectacular. It made me so nostalgic yeah. and so jealous. The one thing I will say that I was like, oh, this is not fucking real. This is obviously a movie. She's not sweating at all. <laughs> She's not sweating one yeah. bit. Yeah. And I did nothing but I didn't I did nothing yeah. but sweat for five days. <laughs> I was it looked I, when yeah. I was there, I think it was during the wet season as well, which didn't help, but it was just <laughs> like I, I I can't even explain it. I've never sweat more in my entire life. I often find this with movies when they feature places that I've been. It's like... Well, of course. Julia Roberts is not going to be riding around sweating her ass off. Like, that's not... (laughs) That's never going to happen. But I was like, you motherfuckers. And that's why... That was what made me also, too, just like... This movie didn't feel... It felt like a fantastical version of this memoir. Like, it felt like Mm. the fantasy version because she's just kind yeah, of condensed all of the highlights of her experiences, which is, if anybody does that, you get this kind of beautiful, you you cut out all the monotony and the day-to-day and all the shit, and, like, mm. there's a lot, there's a big, steep, she spent, her and I spent the same amount of time in Bali. We both spent four months there. There's a steep mm. learning curve for a lot of things that just got not shown, which is fine, of course, yeah. it's a movie, but I was like, this is, it's beautiful to just kind of see the, like, the dreamy version of it, which I'm like, oh, yeah, this is fun. Yeah, I, 
one of the things I noticed was, you know, when she's just like, as if she could just wander through the the monkey temple. She's riding her bike through the monkey forest. And I was like, bitch, I literally was (laughs) thinking about, okay, they must have had to close that down. I wonder where else they probably have so many shots of her just riding her bike through the whole thing. But that part, it's such a beautiful, Mm. I lived really close to the monkey forest actually a couple of different times. And I am so scared of monkeys even like still I just they're not I'm not cool with it I remember being so careful because obviously they say you know don't have your cameras out don't have your pockets open with loads of stuff in because the monkeys will climb up you and try and get in there yep and um I was walking along with this plastic bottle and I I had been warned but the thing is I I have to have the I had to have the water with me it was for me and my friend as well so yeah I just thought I'd be really careful and you know no, they'll get like, you. Getting my bearings, and I, I kind of lost um, my concentration. I was wandering and gazing at something, and I just felt this tiny no. little hand Mm-mm. on my no, thank hand. you. Goodbye. <laughs> no, I'm leaving. And and then I grabbed the water bottle back, but I thought, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that because I'm gonna make it so angry. It's gonna come after me, but <laughs> luckily it didn't. But I think the monkeys in Ubud are a little bit more chill than the monkeys in like the southern part of the island where there's Mm. usually more people like by the beaches Mm, i've heard those ones are a lot more aggressive but still i was not chill with any of it oh nothing like the experience i had in sri lanka where the these humongous monkeys were sitting in the mango trees up and they would they would get the the raw man you know the unripened mangoes bite a tiny bit out of it and then just throw them at you no and there was one time and this was in the garden that I was painting Mm. in the hostel and there was one time where it threw a mango at me and I was like what and I looked up and it climbed down the tree and got onto the ground I'll put I'll put the video up on our Instagram actually so people can see it but I got it all on camera and it started Mm. hissing at me Mm -hmm. it's like get her the fangs out and everything I was like (laughs) so scary and you can hear them because they they hop from the tin roof, so they hop and they're like oh, boom, boom, boom along. It's and it's it kind of it's crazy because you see the trees rustling, you see that tree rustling, and then one closer to you and one closer to you, and it's just like it's almost like a really strong wind coming through the trees towards you. That's so scary. Oh my god, it's so scary. That's yeah, so scary. Monkeys aren't my favorite animal because <laughs> they're too much like humans. The last place I, I stayed was just in, gonna say that they're way too human like. The last place I yeah. stayed in Bali before I left was really close to the monkey forest. And I've got videos too that they would be so loud because they would just be, you know, out. I looked out one day because I could hear them and I went out onto my balcony and you could just see there was like 20 of them and they were running across this roof line and like hopping over to other mm. roofs and buildings. And like it was a, a fleet of monkeys. So the main, one of the biggest ties of her time in Bali was this spiritual teacher that she had met the year before who gave her the prophecy about her marriages, um, Katut. And so interestingly, um, a cool thing about Bali, I think it's, I don't know if it's all of Indonesia or if it's just Bali, I can't remember, but um, every, like everybody has the same name because it's based on, the name Mm. you get is based on your birth order. So there's like Katut, Wayan. Um, yeah, I can't remember all the other ones, but there's basically four and then it starts again. One of them I think is called, is the translation is little banana, which is the littlest one. 
You're absolutely right. Yes. So, firstborn is Wayan Putu Ogede. Hid, Gede. Apologies for any Indonesian people. <laughs> um, second is Made Kadek Made. or Nenga. Made, yeah, Made Kadek or Nenga. Third child is Nioman, 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 um, or Komang. And fourth is Kutut, which means little banana. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. It's so cute. So, um, I remember that one the most because I remember my friend told me that and I was like, oh, that's adorable. And then one time when we were walking home from a bar in Shangu, we walked by the taxi station and um, I don't know, my friends and I, they, we got catcalled. And this guy, he was like standing in the shadows and he was peeing and he, um, we like walked by and my friend was like, ew, <laughs> <laughs> or said something about him peeing. And he was like, oh, like, do you want to see, basically, he said, like, do you want to, like, see my dick? And I, like, turned around, and I was like, your little katut? No, we don't want to see your little katut. (laughs) And they all started laughing, and we're like, oh, katut. (laughs) Because I was like, little banana. Oh, that's so so funny. And that's on learning the local language and phrases and really ingratiating yourself in the culture. (laughs) Yeah. As long as you know the word for a little banana, you're fine. Yeah, it came in handy. Um, so she's back and she's um, using her time to connect again with Katut, this mm. her spiritual teacher that she had met before. Um, Who's a real person. Yeah, yeah. He's a real person, yeah. The, 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 it was an actor in the movie, but he was, I believe he actually just died a couple of years ago, mm. but I'm not sure what his full name was. I know of people that saw him, like, because I remember it being a thing when it was in Bali of, like, oh, everybody wants to go see him, but people mm. would actually use it as kind of, like, a marketing tool of, like, oh, he's not really, like, trying to discredit him to promote other healers because there's so many yeah. traditional healers yeah. of different kind of um, practices um, all mm. around the island. And it's a huge, I mean, especially because of the movie, but it's become just this huge epicenter of spirituality and yoga and retreats and all this yeah. stuff, for better and for worse, as we've mentioned. Um, yeah. Because... Something that my friends and I kind of realized during our time there was there's a weird, there's a layer of um, vibe that you get. Yeah. When you're around all these other people that are all kind of people in their twenties and thirties that have immigrated or there for a short period of time or a longer period of time and all kind of, everyone's Mm. interested in a similar kind of thing. You would think that it would be a little bit more cohesive or um, there'd be a bit more community. But the community that I found at least, and I can only speak from my own experience, of course, was that I was just confronted with this competitive spirituality with everybody that I met for the most part. And it was just kind of this weird dance of just trying to one up of like, Oh, how long have you been here? And Oh, where are you living? What are you doing? What yoga studio do you go to? Oh, what other sorts of like, events do you go to are you doing tantra like have you gotten a stick and poke tattoo yet and oh where are you oh you're not vegan and like you know yeah and 
it's very it's like a checklist that you can you can be part of the club if you've done all these things yeah and it honestly made me want to and I ended up shifting a lot more towards hanging out with people and spending more time um, with people that weren't really involved at all in it and having it be something peripherally that I was doing but it's interesting because when it was a primary um, reason for me of going of the draw of going there in the first place and it ended up just not feeling right because of all these other sorts of just like pomp and circumstance that's been added on top of it and I'm like oh how gross and how far away is this from the whole fucking point of why anyone has even gotten here and so it was cool to see you know obviously the Hollywood version the fantastical kind of dreamlike version but also the older you know from 15 years ago or so getting to see it being a little bit less commercialized, a little bit less overrun, obviously still a tourist destination, mm-hmm. but um, in wake of the 2002 bombings in Kuta where over 200 people died and the majority of them were Australians and then other, um, you know, tourists, tourism was down in the country and in Bali. And so, yeah, it was at a really interesting time in their history as well as far as tourism. Yeah, and it's it's such a shame, obviously the bombings were an awful tragedy but it it is such a shame that 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 kind of authenticity that was that people were able to explore because there were less people around has been tainted like you said I I do I did also because I love that stuff we both love that stuff I'm very into learning about spirituality and yoga and I just find that kind of realm of life so comforting and interesting and exciting. Like, I feel like it allows me to connect with a part of myself that I don't feel I can connect with in other people a lot, especially in England. I mean, obviously there are spiritual people around here, but it is kind of like hippies are kind of laughed at. It's a kind of group of people that are the minority and woo-woo and you know, all this, all these derogatory terms are attached to this kind of um, path in life, if you will. And so for me, I felt like going to Bali was, I was like a kid in a candy store, because I'd never really been allowed to explore that. Yeah. However, yeah, I, I had these expectations of what it would feel like. And I did tap into that in some areas, mm-hmm. especially because I was with two of my my best friends who are very into that kind of lifestyle as well. But like you said, it was there was so much ego around. Yeah, it's so funny. I remember. I think I remember telling you I went to Yoga Barn, which is like yeah. the place to go in Ubud, and I actually felt sick when I was there. And I I don't know if that was um, I was really receptive to like a high concentration of these kind of energies, whether it kind of felt a bit like a vortex of energy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was that or whether I felt so self-conscious which is not the point of yoga yeah the point of yoga is to be able to just be in your own practice yeah and be in your own practice on the mat and I didn't even end up doing a class there and I found it so expensive yeah I was just like what is the point and I just didn't feel safe I didn't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. um and I actually left I lived pretty near there and I left pretty quickly as well and I'm not to saying that I will never go back to yoga barn or that it isn't an amazing company but uh, yeah I just felt like the magic was taken out of it yeah I um 
I went into actually a lot of different classes at Yoga Barn and ecstatic dance and yeah, it's, it's a definitely the, there's pluses and minuses for it of being, having a lot of different variety. It's a massive, mm. gorgeous compound with tons of different styles yeah. of classes and teachers and stuff. So there's always classes going on. So it's really easy yeah. to find something to do. Um, and it's centrally located and there's a little, there's cafes and yada, 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 but yeah, it's, it's, it's booked and busy and it's a huge popular tourist destination. So, but the whole, the whole town is now too. And I found it to be about the Mm. same price as the other studios that I was going to as well. I think it was a little bit more, but, but I, yeah, I think it was like $15 a class and other places Mm -hmm. were like 13 ish ish like rounding, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, so she's, doing all just connecting with Wyan or sorry with Katut and then she meets another healer um because she gets run off the road by fucking gorgeous hot sexy yeah. as fuck Javier Bardem who <laughs> Jesus Christ I was just like I keep forgetting yeah. I forgot how hot he was and then I also was just thinking to myself like oh my god I've met this guy like this archetype yeah. of this Bali guy of like the older divorcee usually who may or may not have a lot of money and who's just kind of like living in Bali and like enjoying the lifestyle and not necessarily always an escapism, but like kind of, and just like really hot (laughs) older dude who is just like living the beach life. And so she goes to a party on a beach, which I thought it was interesting that I was like, I wonder which beach she went to and how long it took her to get there. Because it was in the middle of the island and it takes like two hours to get to Changu. So like, where was she going? Um, But anyway, she gets shit face drunk on the beach. And I was like, oh, this is the relatable content that I was looking for. Like, this is what I remember. Taking shots of tequila on the beach and dancing with a hot Australian guy. Like, this feels correct. Um, But yeah, it kind of sets off on this... I loved how slowly their love affair yeah. moved. Yeah. Like they were both just kind of like the intimacy that they had was really palpable, but their physical intimacy took a long time for both of them to get to. Like they didn't even kiss for a long time. <laughs> Holy shit. They just banged out for fucking two weeks in a row and she got a UTI. And I was like, again, this is the relatable content that I was looking for. When you haven't had sex for so long and then you finally do again and your body is like, excuse me? Yeah, yeah. Who gave you the right to enjoy yourself again? We're going to pay you back. But it was it was just nice to see the character, yeah. Gilbert and obviously Julia Roberts as the character. Because she's, she just, that's another stage of her letting go um, and opening up to real love. Mm-hmm. I, it's so sad, actually. I I looked up or I saw an interview with Elizabeth Gilbert. Unfortunately, she actually is not with that man anymore. But I I remember an interview previously. That's fucking devastating. Yeah, when did they break up? a couple of years ago now. But I saw an interview when they were still together Aww. and she was talking about um, her husband, who this character is based off. And she said, the reason why I love my husband is because, what was it? She said, oh yeah, he, he had said to her one night, a woman's place is in the kitchen with her feet up and a glass of bubbly in her hand whilst I'm doing all the cooking or something like this. And I was like, damn, that is, 
What? He's so hot. I've never heard I don't know what the real guy that. looks like, but I don't know Brazilian <laughs> men, apparently. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Whew. But um, yeah, it was kind of like her maturity and her new her new adventure. Yeah, you get to see that she's like, okay, like I gotta go. Like I she's still sticking to her routine. She's still sticking yeah. to the promises that she made to herself. And doing things without him, which is such a contrast from the other two yeah. relationships that we got to see her in. So that was a cool kind of like the right partner for you will be someone who wants you to have your own life and still continue yeah. to be your own person, mm-hmm. even if you, you are together and won't be angry or upset with you for being like, oh, I need to like continue yeah. to be me. I'll yeah. see you later. Love you. Bye. Like, that's so normal. And as, like, their relationship was intensifying, it was really difficult. Oh, something else, another part that I thought was really awesome is that she, on her birthday, instead of asking her friends, you know, for gifts or whatever, she asked all of them to help her Aww. fundraise to help give money to Wyon, yeah. the healer that she'd been seeing, like, yeah. for medicine stuff, um, to buy a That's house, awesome. which I think is so topical for what we were talking about with all the, mm-hmm. with the housing crisis in Bali of, she was a single mom. She had to divorce her husband who was abusive. And in the movie, they were saying how in the divorce, in order for her to get her child custody of her daughter, because usually it just goes to the husband, she had to give yeah. everything she had away. So she didn't have a house. She didn't have any possessions because she wanted to have her daughter. Um, so they raised 18000 yeah. U.S. dollars to buy a house and you know, land in a house for this little girl and her mom. And it was just like, I was just, it made me really happy. Yeah. It kind of reinstalled my faith in humanity a little bit, knowing that these things do, do happen. Yeah, they can happen, which is awesome. And then there's kind of a, a boiling point with their romantic relationship where she's afraid to dive in and tell him that she loves him. And she doesn't want to lose the, all this balance and all of this work and that she's worked towards in the past year and all of this work yeah. that she's done on herself she's afraid basically that if she dives into this relationship that she's going to lose herself again so it's kind of this reckoning of trusting that you can't lose what you've Mm. built and what's part of you and that also risking it for the biscuit is kind of part of the whole game yeah and knowing that nothing is perfect even knowing this I logically know this my mind still tells me shit that isn't real like that these other relationships that I'm seeing on social media are so perfect or you know perfect like these movies and they kind of drive off into the sunset and you think oh that's that's it forever like every day is gonna be 100% perfect but um yeah yeah, I, I, I just like I like the ending actually. I actually did like that they literally drive off into I the sunset it. because you so rarely see that I in know. endings in movies anymore. So fucking cliche, but it's so cute. That was like full circle. Yeah, it was the perfect little bow that we don't get in real life. That was yeah. the cinematic like yeah, happy exactly ending that the we all crave. And I loved this quote that they had. Oh my the god, first, stop um, it! I have the, the same quote. So. <laughs> Just saying, I've come to believe that there exists in the universe something I call the physics of the quest. A force of nature governed by laws as real as the laws of gravity or momentum. And the rule of quest physics maybe goes like this. If you are brave enough to leave behind everything familiar and comforting, which can be anything from your house to your bitter old resentments, and set out on a truth-seeking journey, either externally or internally, and if you are truly willing to regard everything that happens to you on the journey as a clue, If you accept everyone you meet along the way as a teacher, 
and if you are prepared most of all to face and forgive some very difficult realities about yourself, then the truth will not be withheld from you. Or so I've come to believe. And I love that so much. Um, And it resonated so much with me. And thinking back, especially on the past couple years of the the gift of retrospection is so cool to be able to kind of see where Mm. you've come. Um, Especially when in moments felt really hopeless or scary or you had no fucking idea what was going on. Um, You can connect the dots. You get to kind of map it out in this way. Yeah. And I think in that way, everyone, whether you're traveling or not, everyone has kind of had their eat, pray, love moments throughout their lives because you don't have to go on. I think that's one of the lessons that I took away from this movie was you don't have, like, she didn't have to do any of this in order to get where she was. Like, she could have very well put some boundaries in place and done this kind of self-exploration at home. But there's something really powerful that being away from all of the people that know you and being away from any of those attachments in a completely new setting really jumpstarts that kind of um, introspection. Definitely. In my experience, Mm. at least anyway, um, that it adds a cool other element to it. Yeah, Yeah. It just forces you to look inside when you have a change of surroundings because there's nothing familiar around you. So we naturally will go to what's familiar, which Mm -hmm. is ourselves. But even sometimes we'll do that and we're like, oh, actually, who am I? I don't know myself. But yeah, I agree Mm -hmm. with you. I think you can do this at home. But the thing with traveling is it's um, it's an aid and it forces you to mm-hmm. it's, it's just another, another tool, tool exactly and just forces you to become familiar with change and also embrace what we don't know what's not comfortable um, and there's so much beauty in traveling that's the mm-hmm. thing like I have so many friends who will never really ever go traveling because you know they don't want to that's fine or they're nervous too they don't think they can do it and that makes me so sad because it's so exciting and these things happen and like why not have a bit of an adventure and just push the boat out a little bit like that's what I think is so beautifully um, done with this movie it's it's one of the films that I can watch over and over again Uh, there aren't many out there that I can and I don't know if part of me is kind of like disappointed in that because it is it is in a sense kind of cliche but I've kind of got to a point where I really don't give a fuck anymore. Like I really resonated with it. And I think a lot of women especially do because every step we've talked about, not only the traveling, but also the breaking apart or the kind of taking ourselves away from what we think we should be doing. So yeah, I, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big lover of it. And I think a lot of men as well, everyone should be watching this and kind of pushing the boundaries. So totally. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think, um, especially as someone who was very skeptical going into this, I was very <laughs> pleasantly surprised. Um, it actually, there were so many, there were very mixed reviews of the movie when it came out from like critics and stuff. Um, I think it's really funny what I saw was it got only bad reviews in Italy. <laughs> it was only really? it was, which is so <laughs> spot on. So, tip. I would be shocked yeah. if it was anything else but that. Like, of fucking course, the Italians were like, "Go fuck yourself, like, get the fuck out of here with this bullshit." Um, yeah. that is not shocking in the least. 
Um, I thought they also did a really great job of portraying how the that apartment that she lived in reminded me so much of the apartment that I lived in. It was just like this yeah. giant door yeah. and nothing worked. Eating a meal on the floor. Yeah, my landlords were this older couple that ran a restaurant that didn't speak any English. And, oh, yeah. So, oh, and her landlord says, like, you can't have, yeah. like, no overnight guests. Like, you American girls, whenever you come to Italy, all you want is pasta and sausage. <laughs> but she doesn't mean sausage. sausage. She means dick. And sausage. <laughs> I was like, oh, what year did this come out? <laughs> um, which is also a stereotype that I had to yeah. just constantly battle. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with pasta and sausage, all right? <laughs> you do, you do. I had a great time. I had a great time. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> well, to round it off, I think everyone should watch this movie just to see what they think yeah. of it. I loved it. I will watch it again. A great time to watch this movie as well because we're not allowed to leave our houses. It was kind of like getting to go on a vacation a little bit yeah. just because it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's just really pretty. And if you can get over, like, the cliches of it, because there obviously are, um, and just enjoy it not as, like, a how-to mm. guide, but as, like, kind of a yeah. fantasy of, like, the kind of personal development journey that I think a lot of us uh, take on. Um, and just, like, a visual representation of what it can, like, a version of it that it can look like. You don't have to go on some... Not most people don't have the luxury and the privilege of being able to yeah. take off for a year yeah. and not work and just travel. Like that's a massive luxury. Um, I would encourage people to do it if they can. Yeah, if you can take a year off from work and Definitely. travel, of course, mm. um, that seems incredible. Um, without having to work and just getting to just not worry like about mm. money and just enjoy everything. Like hell yeah, of course do that. Um. But it's also, I think, personal development and self-exploration are so much more um, accessible than that. Yeah. Because you don't have to go anywhere to, um, no, exactly. to, to dive in. Exactly. It's all at your fingertips. It's hard. Sometimes I yeah. think about, you know, this inner work and I'm like, where do I even fucking start? But I've already started. Yeah. And actually, you know, the quote we were, you just read out, the the one about the quest. I wrote that in a diary of mine from mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. It's it's in a box somewhere in the house, mm. but I must find it again. Cute. Because, um, yeah, I remember that quote really hit home with me and inspired me to... I'd already done a solo trip before, but it did inspire me to go again on this most recent one <clears throat> that where I ended up in Australia mm -hmm. after. But, but yeah... Well, I think yes. that's a wrap, my love. Yeah, man. Oh my gosh, I think we covered every aspect of it. Um, yeah, that, that was, was fun. fun. Goodbye to our listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to us and sticking with us. Yeah. Yeah, we'll look forward to coming back next week yeah we'll get more we'll get we'll get back on the consistency train of putting out episodes as as you see fit um <laughs> we hope you had a safe and happy new year happy 2021 let's just um let's just take it easy yeah. this year and like get back to to reality in some ways of 
you know, believing in science and um, <laughs> respecting each other and, and staying safe. Um, being grateful for everything that we do have. Exactly. Those are my intentions. Amen, sister. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. Safe travels. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.